0: episode of the Brush Builders Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brush Builders Union, Simon Berman, and this month I am joined by Privateer Press studio painter Jordan Lamb. Jordan, thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, I didn't want to talk to uh, some Privateer people for a while, but it seemed like it was a great time with uh, Warcaster Neo Mechanica on Kickstarter.
1: Yeah, we've been super busy for the last couple of months getting everything prepared and ready to go before we announced the kickstarter.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Well, you know, it's it's only been up for about 3 or 4 days now and it's been a big success for you already. I think you, you funded in like less than half an hour, right?
1: Yeah, it was about 25 27 minutes uh till we got funded, which was amazing uh response to it and you know, we've over doubled our our initial goal right like 250 or so percent uh 270,000 or so, which is phenomenal. So uh, Yeah, that's really super excited to see cool. Goes.
0: No, it's, it's great for you guys. You know, I'm, I'm I've got the Kickstarter up as I'm looking at, you know, it's 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 gone up a bit as we've been speaking for just the last few minutes. So, uh, mm-hmm. congratulations on all that. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, did I get your did I get your title right? Are you the Studio Painter or privateer these days?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh I am the I guess lead studio painter, but there's no other studio painters right now. I'm doing it all solo these days. That's quite a job. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of models coming out. They keep me pretty busy.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I, I definitely want to talk about um, Warcaster with you and, you know, what, what's gone into the paint jobs and that stuff, but I maybe a little, little bit of background. You know, how, how did you get started as a professional painter?
1: Uh, so uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Brendan Roy, who's one of our previous studio painters, um, but he actually moved to Seattle uh, about three years ago, uh, three or four years ago, and uh, started as a studio painter for us. And when he moved into the area, I was playing War Machine up at one of our local stores here, and uh, we became really fast friends uh, because we were both into War Machine, and I liked to paint a lot, and he was a studio painter at the time. So we became friends, and he kind of like took me under his wing a little bit and taught me a little bit more advanced techniques and stuff. And uh, when it came around to um, some shifting within the company, one of the, the studio painter spots opened up, and uh, I was encouraged strongly to uh, apply and so i did and and that is as they say that got it got into the studio and started painting full time
0: right on so you know so prior to that what, what had you been painting a lot of you know how how did you get started on that
1: i mean i i've been painting since i was i don't know in the in the fourth grade or so like i got i got started really early on all sorts of random stuff and eventually settled on on war machine after i got done with uh, some other non-miniature related games so wanted a bit of a break and to get back into doing some painting and stuff and sure um was reintroduced to war machine for the first time and uh was really excited about the you know the competitive aspect of it and the models were great so um i kind of dived in head first and fell in love with the game and with the models and you know from there met brendan and and here i am so Yeah, yeah i've been doing it for a long time
0: yeah, so you know when you when you started working at Privateer um you know there was there a studio style cuz I know I know they used to favor the two brush blending as sort of um a house style was was that a, a difficult for you to master or were you already kind of on that path.
1: So it was one of the things that I I was kind of uh introduced to before I started it's one of the reasons why I was a bit of a uh why like friend recommended me is cuz I'd asked him prior Like, hey, can you show me about this super blending thing and kind of give me an idea of how it works and teach me how to do it? And he was like, sure. So I'd learned previously to to me being part of the studio how to do it. And that is, generally speaking, one of our studio practices, right? Um, It's a little bit uh, less so now. It's one of those things that everybody who's here in a studio painter capacity sort of has their own influence on uh, how the models are painted. And while I do paint sort of with the same, um, like I, I paint studio models the same way that we always have, plus some, like I, I use some of my own techniques that I've learned and some things that I brought some things to the studio that you know we haven't been doing a lot of in the past and incorporated a lot of the studio style into that to kind of create uh, what we're doing now. So um it's a little bit of both, right? We've got the old studio influences and everybody who knew comes in and, and contributes something that's unique to themselves.
0: So, um, you know, um, what, what was kind of your your first steps as the studio painter? Do they do they have you paint some test models or what, what did uh, you jump in with?
1: Yeah, so there was, uh, gosh, there was a um, a Retribution Light Warjack, I believe it was a Gorgon, that uh, we needed to have painted for whatever reason, I can't remember now. Um, but that was the first model that they needed painted, and that was kind of a, a a good starting point. It's like it's it's white, so you gotta get used to painting one of the more difficult you know studio paint schemes and it was like it was a good jumping off point, right to kind of test my my capabilities and so I did that and then I worked on um Elias Gade, who was a solo for Protectorate, and from there I worked on a Signar solo, uh, Bash and Falk, and then my first box art was the um, Protectorate, uh, shoot, the um, can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, um, it was the Mounted Paladin. Uh, I don't know. Simon, you might remember the name of it. but I
0: don't, unfortunately. I know who you're talking yeah, about.
1: It'll, it'll pop up in my brain sometime in the next five or ten minutes. But, yeah, I, w- uh, I was
0: never much of a protectorate player, so I'm not super up on their <laughs> yeah. characters.
1: It's been a long time, and we have a lot of models, so it's hard hard to remember exactly what it was. Um, but, yeah, that was my first studio uh, box art, so that was cool to kind of have to push a little bit further to make sure that, you know, everything was just so, and um it, it's it's been a cool ride like learning how to paint for a camera has been really interesting and and, and things like that like obviously there's a, a very specific pose or or angle that the model is going to get shot at and you need to make sure that that angle is is the best viewing angle so of course yeah um it's weird it's, it's not like painting your standard or even like high-end tabletop or or you know display level paint jobs it's you're really painting for the camera. And that's not to say like the back of the model doesn't look good. It's just you you spend more time working on the things that people are going to see. Um, like you never really know, but it, th- the camera definitely picks up on it.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that, that even can apply to just sort of standard painting too, right? Because there there are always sort of visual focuses on a model that the eye is going to yeah. linger on. And those are going to be the Absolutely. places you spend your most time, right?
1: Yeah, like faces and, and you know, big centerpiece parts of models are, are a great example of that.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, when, when you were sort of uh, adjusting to painting as a studio painter, you know, um, and, you know, you said you already had a basis in two brush blending, but, you know, what were some other things you had to sort of master to to, to take part in the privateer press style?
1: I mean, it it, it wasn't so much painting in the privateer's press style. styles. Some of the things that you had to learn, um, to, like one of the biggest things that took me a while to kind of get was painting quickly. Like it it's you have to paint really really well to a high standard in a relatively brisk period of time, right?
0: Right, you have a deadline.
1: Yeah, it's 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 weird when you're when you're moving from, oh, I can spend as much time on this as I want and time frame isn't really important to being like, Hey, I need this done in two days, sort of thing, right? Or I yeah, need this exactly. model done today. Um, and one of the great things is for the first I don't know, six six to eight months that I was working here um, they didn't really put me on projects that were on a super high priority like that. So they gave me time to build up that speed to the point where they could be like, Hey Jordan, I need this painted in, you know, two days and they could, I could reliably get it done.
0: Sure. uh, Which was great. So when you're painting, you know, with speed in mind, um, is it really just a matter of doing everything faster or are there any, any tricks you've discovered?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of like shortcut things. Um, A great example of a technique that really shortens or where you can like cut corners is uh, for scorn. Uh, When you start a scorn model, generally you'll dry brush the whole thing in steel and then you uh, build up your bronze over it with like washes and glazes and things like that. And then you paint everything else around it. So it takes so much time away from hand painting all of the gold, especially if you're doing it after having painted the like red armor plates and the skin and all that stuff. It just like it eliminates so much time. So it's a really it good way to save you.
0: <laughs> I, I wish we had had this conversation about 15 years ago when I was painting my first score army because that would have saved me a lot of headache.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, or just even like airbrushing uh the gold or or the gold or, or the silver. In fact, for the uh, Iron Star Alliance. I airbrushed silver all up for the over the entire models. Really? So I started with a, a silver base coat on on everything, and then I built up the black layers and the orange layers and the glow over top of that.
0: Interesting. Good. So, yeah, I definitely want to talk more about your uh, your work on Warcaster soon. But uh, yeah, that's that's good to know for sure. So, you, so you're, you're saying you've kind of added some of your own uh, techniques and touches to to the the studio models at this point. What's that been yeah. like?
1: So. Uh... So a good example of that is I tend to use a lot more texture and a lot less super smooth blends than some of our previous studio painters have. Um, And this was something that I kind of learned via uh, spending time with with Brendan and a little bit of my pursuits of like higher levels of painting beyond studio. Um, So like really diving into getting like really nice texture on cloth and really nice texture on like leather and things like that. Um, Is something that we have done in the past, but not quite to the extent that I have, um, and also approach it a little bit differently. Um, and I use a lot less two brush blending um, when I do those sort of texturing. Um, I do a lot of like uh, building up line textures on on cloth and uh, um, and leather instead of doing two brush blending. And I might use like a glaze or something to pull those layers together um, instead of you know doing the two brush blending and then adding some like tick marks to represent texture after um this is a good example of kind of like the difference of approach
0: sure um, no I, it's interesting you know i i I've been around private press for a very long time, so it's always been sort of interesting to me to see the the development of the the painting styles there and you know you've definitely got your own your own voice, so to speak at this point I think
1: yeah, definitely. it's opened up a lot in the last three, few years that's for sure.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I I think just you know doing as much painting as I'm sure you're doing, just you know, it's gonna it's gonna build painting muscle, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It it helps you develop good habits and gives you the time to break bad habits.
0: Actually, let's talk about that. So, so what are some some good habits and some bad habits that you you've uh, built or had to deal with in the past as a painter?
1: So one of the bad habits, and this is still something that I have a problem with today, and it's all just a little bit of me like <clears throat> getting distracted with other things. Is I one of the the bad habits that I've been working on a lot is I'll start an element on the model. So let's say I'm painting Iron Star Alliance, right? And I'll start working on the glow. And then uh, what I've been trying to do is make sure that I just do all of the glow on that model and then move on to something else. And I have a tendency to like stop in the middle and work on something else. So I'll like, do glow and then i'll see something where that needs to be like covered up or uh, something else that needs to be corrected and i'll go back and do that and then i'll get sidetracked with something else and you kind of like follow fall off the the wagon and kind of go into this rabbit hole of like doing little tweaks all over the place um and like trying to just like pull back and and just be like okay i need to focus on just getting this done and then moving on to something else and getting that done um, and it's not to say that you, you can't do little tweaks all over the place and, and get the model done. It's just it, when you're trying to do something quickly and efficiently, it makes it more difficult.
0: So, no, that makes sense. You're, you're kind of losing focus, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's all going towards the finished product. It's just, it can be different for, for some people, or it can be more difficult if you're getting sidetracked, remembering where you left off. So you have to spend more time like looking at the model or correcting something and then going back and correcting it again, sort of thing. Um, it's also difficult too, when you're, when you're creating new recipes, right? Because uh, you, you're sort of forced to do that more, like the, the correction and going back over things to get the colors the right way. Um, like a great example of this is, is the Marcher uh, paint scheme, like getting that white, that like kind of ochery color down was really difficult and it took a while to kind of nail in exactly what that recipe was supposed to be. Um, So the first round of models for the studio paint jobs for the starter took a lot longer than I was hoping to, Yeah. but uh, I just finished up a couple of them recently and I just busted them out super fast. Now that I've got all the recipes written down and everything um, and it's all been dialed in, it's just super fast and it, and it looks really good. So
0: uh, yeah it's 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 funny how you know once once you've got your scheme down how much faster it goes you know I, I, i've been paying oh, a yeah. big, big Ultramarines army for some friends and for a friend and you know the, the first few models were like pulling teeth and then once i got it down i could i could basically do that in my sleep so
1: yeah absolutely. i'm sure
0: it's a similar situation right
1: and i can't i can't even begin to like it's so important to write those those recipes down like have a little book by your desk and just write everything down so you you know and you don't have to go back and be like Uh, I think, I think I used this color and I might've shaded with this color. Like you might know exactly what the base coats are, but remembering what the shades and highlights are saves you a lot of time.
0: Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's it's funny. Um, you know, one of the first things I did when I founded the brush builders union was, you know, members all get a a membership kit every year. And part of that is Mm -hmm. a membership booklet that's specifically for writing down your paint recipes.
1: Yep. Yep. So
0: yeah, Yeah, I I found that invaluable.
1: Yeah. We have a big book at the office. that has got all the recipes in it for all the factions and stuff for all of our games which has been a lifesaver in a lot of ways oh
0: yeah i mean especially coming in after you know the company's been around for almost 20 but 15 16 years by the time you started so that's a lot of paint recipes isn't it oh yeah
1: i mean believe it or not one of the the best resources that i've had um especially early on before i kind of got most of the recipes memorized is that um all the mark ii uh faction books are amazing they have fantastic recipes in in every single book that are like four or five pages deep of just this is how you paint protectorate uh white or this is how you paint retribution white or this is how you paint scorn flesh like things like that um, are super super helpful Um, and if you can find them um those books are a fantastic pickup oh i was just saying i have a copy personally that i own of all of these.
0: yeah me too I, i've definitely referred to it over the years um you know it's funny i, th- I think to a certain degree those are they're a little impenetrable if you're, if you're a fresh painter but as soon as you have any kind of basis um they're, they're just incredible resources because you know it really shows you step by step how those those blends were built and you know you get some really impressive yeah, results just from absolutely. reviewing those
1: yeah and you know it, tutorials Tutorial books like that are, are a really good way to to learn, right? Even if you are a pretty, you know, entry-level painter, you can still get a lot out of those types of books um, because they're so step-by-step-by-step, by step by step, right? It requires a little bit of, like, I need to make sure that I know how to mix paints properly and, and do all these, you know, entry-level things. But once you're beyond that point, like, it's it's a great way to learn um, more, slightly more advanced techniques.
0: Sure. Um, so you know, we're talking a little bit about what's going into the, the Marcher Worlds models and so forth. Um, so had, were you were you in, were you involved in sort of the creation of the the color schemes and paint schemes for those models from the start? Since uh, you know, Warcast was essentially a fresh game and the first really big game Privateer has done in a very long time. I was curious yeah. how much imp- input you had on that process.
1: Uh, I had I had a bit of input. Um, for the most part, uh, there was a general directive of kind of this is what we want the colors to look like. Um, but I did have a lot of input in fine-tuning specifically what colors and what where colors go and that sort of thing um, and, like, what the color tones are. And, I mean, even beyond the color concepts, right, because like, we'll get a concept done or we'll get it colored, and then it'll be sent to me, and then I'll take that color concept and paint them all. Well, paint is going to lay on models differently than – you know, digital colors are going to lay on a on a color concept, right? So, I have a little bit of you know the final say, as it were, when it comes to painting on models. And that doesn't mean I can just like, I don't think this is good as yellow; it should be blue instead. No, it's it's just finding the right colors. If it's something that doesn't already exist in our line, is ultimately falls on me. So, the the Marcher Worlds is an example, right? Like, yellow is a pretty or like kind of tan is a pretty broad spectrum. I could have taken it to like more of a brown tan or more of a yellow tan, which is kind of what I ended up doing. Um, and being able to utilize some of the newer paints that are going to be coming out um, was another thing that I kind of think about when I'm designing new recipes as well. Um, but yes, I, I did have some influence on uh, the color concepts and, and, and things for both factions, um, And I'm really happy with how they're coming along. Yeah, they're really
0: striking looking. I think um, they've, they've only got their own, their own identities as factions. That, that, that must have been pretty fun to sort of have a hand in developing that.
1: Yeah, uh, I really had a lot of fun with the the orange on the the Iron Star lines. Um, so it was a it was an, it was a fun challenge uh, trying to differentiate between the, the orange glow and the orange armor plating on the models. Like the they're they're both orange, but they look different when you kind of sure. like look at them close enough. Um, the, the orange armor plates have a very, like, kind of bluish-green undertone in the shades, whereas the, the orange glow is really, really vibrant and saturated orange, like, for, uh, Inferno orange kind of color. No, so that's that was really kind cool. of cool playing with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, visually, that's the paint scheme that that struck me the most um, of the models we've seen so far. Um, you know, I, I I've pledged for the, the Kickstarter, so I'm not sure which faction I'm going to get just yet because I I like the setting material on the Martian Worlds a little bit better, but I I really like the the models and the paint schemes on the the Iron Star Alliance, so I've got to make a hard choice there.
1: Yeah, it's it's difficult. I I am personally a big fan of the the Continuum models. Like I, as we were working on the Continuum models, I was. Before I had really seen a lot of the concepts and some of the renders as they came through the studio, Um, I was pretty pretty convinced that I wanted to do Iron Star Alliance. But the more Continuum models I see, the more I'm like, oh man, I might might have to do these guys instead or in addition to, because I'll I'll probably have (laughs) Iron Star ready for lock and load is my hope, Uh, so that I can get games in with people and show off painted army that sort of thing. Sure. Um, But I definitely. Definitely, definitely like the aesthetic of Continuum a lot.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, I'm like, i I was thinking about them, but I'm like, do I want to wait until August? I don't know. So I, got, I got, to make up my mind. But I, I got a couple of weeks to, to figure that out. I think. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, actually, I'm talking about the, um, the Azeroth Alliance in particular. The painting on them, they're really beautiful models. And you know, I'm curious. You know, what, what went into building those paint schemes? You know, how, do, how do you do all that? The, the honeycomb on the shields in particular is really impressive.
1: Yeah, I. It, that was kind of one of those moments where. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get greedy a little bit. I'm gonna spend a little bit of extra time on the shield because I was just having so much fun painting it. Um so it as far as like developing the 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 recipes, right? So obviously I have the color concept. And the color concept is flat black, orange accents, silver armor, and orange glow, right? So I go, okay, what sort of speaks to me from the aesthetic of like what makes these guys unique and what does the de- what works for like shadows for these colors and I was like in my brain I was imagining sort of a cool like cold black color that was really reflective and like a a orange armor plating that sort of matched that so that's why I pulled those greens and the blues into the orange plating on the armor and then to make sure that the glow was separate, I went with a lot more muted, kind of moldy ochre sort of colors on the armor plating. It went for the really saturated yellows and oranges on the glow, and I that wanted to sense. do that so that there was a lot more contrast between the two, so that you could easily identify like, oh, this thing is not glowing versus this thing is is glowing. Um, and then the silver, I kind of treated the same way as I treated the, the black and the orange is like, okay, I'm gonna pull these cold or cooler colors into the shadows here so that it all looks uniform and, and makes sense. It feels like it's all on the same model in the same environment sort of deal. Um, so that's a lot of what I think about when I'm designing a color scheme like that. Thinking about your your color wheel and what colors harmonize well, and like orange and teal or like blue, blue and orange are a really good combination, which is why I use the blues and the shades. Because um, they complement each other really well. It's also why there's blue on the bases, um, or the the non-display bases for the table that we built. Because um, you'll notice when you look at the Kickstarter that there's the box or the like the the group shot, which is on a white background that has the kind of bluish, orangey or bluish uh, red brown bases. Those are separate bases specifically for the faction whereas the other bases that you see in the like group shots that are on the table were designed specifically for that table. Um so that they can match where they belong. And I I pulled the blue into those bases specifically because I wanted it to complement the orange really well.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 really striking looking. Um how did you do those bases that that kind of great bluish glow on the ground is really cool.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to make sure that it was really really saturated, so I was thinking, okay, these are all alien worlds, right? the setting is, doesn't take place on a single planet. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I want to make each faction unique and I want to create something that looks a little bit more alien. So really bright saturated colors are not something that you generally see on like turf or like ground in, you know, on, on our planet. It's generally not something you see. So I was like, okay, I'll do some blue. So I took uh like a really fine grit, uh, like pumice gel you can find uh, on on Amazon, you can purchase big chunks or big uh, jars of it for like twenty five bucks. and it's uh-huh. basically um, a paint that has a really fine grit built into it. So it's kind of like a paste. and so i I watered that down a little bit and put it on the base. And it kind of is this really smooth textured base uh, basing material that you it's just like one and done. you just paint it on and it's good. And then from there, I just base coated over it with the with like meridius blue, which is kind of like a a medium range value like teal color. Uh And then I built up the really bright color in layers over it, so that it it got really really bright and saturated. And then I shaded the other sides of it with some like reds and and blues and things like that um, to kind of create the shadowed areas. No, it's, it's cool. Really, really, really simple basing um and once you know the colors it's just a lot of like splash some some color on the base and kind of what blend it together um it's a really lazy and really effective and quick way to paint your bases
0: no it looks great it's got that real kind of classic sci-fi look to it doesn't it that was the goal (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was the goal so actually so when when you're painting specifically the honeycomb bits on the iron star alliance you know what's your what's the battle plan for doing that?
1: Yeah, so one of the great things about the Honeycomb pattern on most of the Alliance models is it's all sculpted in detail. I I saw it when
0: the, sorry, when when the case were launched, I was so relieved to see that because I was like, man, I want to do that. But man, I don't know if I have the patience to like get in there or use a stencil or something. So I I was super stoked that it was part of the sculpt. It's
1: really easy on the back of the Firebrand, like the the little kind of antenna that are, there's two going up and one going down. Uh, the channels on those hex, the, the hexes in there are fantastic, and they take a wash amazingly well. Uh, the shield is a lot less raised, um, so those channels are a lot more fine. You can still get washes in there, but you have to water it down a lot more. So sure. It's really finicky to kind of get that color in there. Um, I actually did a uh, about half of Get Your Paint On yesterday uh, was devoted to painting one of those shields, so... Um, If anybody wants to check that out, we should have that uh, stream up on YouTube to kind of see how to do or how to replicate the effect.
0: Cool, I'll try and Um, get a link to that in the uh, the post that accompanies the podcast.
1: Yeah, but it's super easy. It's just, you you take a a Xenophil Prime's shield, you just base coat it in yellow ink, and then you kind of highlight the edge or you you shade the edges of it because you want the center of the shield to be the hottest point. You shade it in orange, progressively getting darker and darker to get to like Inferno orange. And then you put a wa- a really, really light wash of Inferno orange over the whole thing, which kind of pulls everything together and gets those deeper channels kind of lined with that darker color. And then you just highlight back up with your, your yellow and your white to pull the little, the little hexes out. And uh, one of the things that I did on the, the studio shield uh, is I kind of, wanted to replicate the effect of like impacts on the energy shield. Uh So I did little like radiating hot points where like a bullet or a laser beam would, would impact the shield and kind of create that, that pulse. Right.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: So just pick a couple of places and and put your highlights in there and, and kind of have that radiate out. looks really neat.
0: No, it's, it's really awesome. You know, um, one of the things was kind of thinking about is the, um, you're talking about Inferno Orange, and you know I, I've been using P3 for longer than I care to think about right now. But um, <laughs> the some of the more recent colors that uh, Privateer has released, like like Inferno Orange or um, the Piggy Purple Ink, um, mm-hmm. the, the the intensity and the saturation you're getting out of some of those hues is just really cool, and I, I don't see a lot else out there like that on the market.
1: Yeah, it's it's there are not a lot of inks that you can buy. There are some inks you can buy that are that saturated. Uh, Piggy Purple Ink is a great example of a super heavily saturated ink that's really flexible. Because uh, a lot of what, what you get with a lot of really heavily saturated inks is you get, um, it's, it's almost got two different color tones. It's got a color tone when it's super saturated. And the more you water it down, the more different that color switches to. So for instance, you'll get this really nice rich kind of almost bluish purple right out of the, the pot with the Piggy Purple ink. And the more you water it down, the more it switches to like a a rich purpley magenta. Um, It won't go all the way, it won't shift all the way to magenta, but it definitely has a different color tone um, the more you water it down.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It, but I mean, even just out of the bottle, it's it's such a punch in the mouth of a bright purple. If, I, if yeah, you have to to any kind of
1: Definitely need to water it down a bunch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it has its uses though. You know, I I've, I've been I've been trying to find the right project to like just use it really heavily cuz I just think it's such a cool color. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, I think maybe maybe down the road I'll mess with, you know, some other Warcaster factions and try something different. Actually, speaking of that, do you have any plans for like alternate paint schemes in the works? If...
1: I mean, I I definitely have some alternate paint schemes for some like personal armies, but we haven't talked or at least, not that I can talk about uh, That's fine. about, or we haven't announced any official sure. uh, color schemes for like alternate color schemes for the factions. But I have some ideas.
0: But yeah, no, I, I just think a lot of those P 3s yeah, they've got just such such great vibrant colors as they, they're just a joy to use, and you know, I don't see a lot else out there like that. So it's cool to see some of the uh, the forecast yeah, for models I, with these really vivid schemes.
1: I'm really excited to see what people do with their own models once they kind of get them into their hands and start painting them um because it is it's a totally different aesthetic from anything that we've had in our range before so it's really it's a huge blank slate right because i've seen a tougher a ton of different kator models right i've seen a bunch of different renditions of signar models but it's going to be really interesting to see what people do with all the combinations of glow and and armor plating and stuff like that and weird sciency bases or, or sci-fi bases It's gonna be really exciting
0: yeah, I've actually, I've got a promo uh, Wolf in front of me right now that I think I'm going to try and paint up in the next week or so. Um, I'm actually nice. thinking, I it's a, it's a really cool model. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I'm going to do Marcher Worlds as like my, my real faction. So kind of taking this as like a guy to just mess around with. So I'm actually thinking about doing him up yeah. in um, some of those color shift paints that are out there. I think he'd look really cool with, you know.
1: The, oh, uh, cool. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: Having decided which one to use, I've got a whole bunch from um, TurboDork, but uh, I think it's going to look really striking on those big flat surfaces. And, you know, shiver, shiver, shifting colors, shimmering colors is the word I'm trying to use, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a fun chance to just experiment with some new stuff that maybe I haven't tried before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see it when you're done.
0: Yeah, Yo, I'll post it for sure. Yeah, so it's it's a great model. Actually, so speaking of the Marsha Worlds, you know, we talked a bunch about the Iron Star Alliance, um, and you know, you talked a little bit about developing that that yellow tan, but you know, what, what kind of what goes into painting those models in the studio scheme?
1: Yeah, so there was a, one of the new paints that I have been playing around with a lot lately and kind of fallen in love with is, uh, it's a paint called Biothrall, and um, I've shown it all a little bit off in the past on various streams, um, but it's this really, really, really nice greenish ochre color. So it's this kind of like yellow, yellowy green color um, that's a little desaturated, but Still has a lot of enough saturation to it and it was a perfect base coat for kind of getting a really interesting tan color um that had a very yellowy green base to it um so i i decided to use that as sort of the base coat for the marcher worlds um it ended up being a little bit too dark to be just the the official base coat so i ended up having to um shift the base coat over to um then the white base and then use the bile thrall is kind of a, the first shade, um, that tends to be a little bit more prominent, but, uh, that was kind of, kind of going back to something we were talking about earlier, where it's like having to go back and switch the recipes once everything gets kind of nailed in. Right. Sure. Um, switching to that, the base gives you a much better, brighter base coat. Cause those, those models end up being pretty bright as, as far as like value is concerned on their armor when it's all painted. Um, but yeah, just starting with that that bile thrall and kind of building up the white base over it and the white highlight with a little bit of moldy ochre in it. Um, I I kind of nailed that armor in color wise, and I was like, okay, I want something that's not quite the same green as the the like bile thrall is to to do for the the backpacks and the the cloaks and things like that. Um so I decided to go with like a battle dress green. So it's a more of a um close to like a camo green color. Uh it's different enough from the the Bile Thrall that it doesn't look the same on the model. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then I I used a lot of browns in the shades for all the leather. So that really helped pull it away from from the armor plating. Um, And then there's this beautiful blue color for the glow that we're we're releasing. It's called Voltaic Blue. And it's this uh it's if you were to take arcane blue eliminate the green from it and make it a little brighter that's what voltaic blue is
0: interesting it's got this
1: like really clean blue color it's got no green no green in it at all uh and i was like oh this is gonna be perfect for the glow so i base coated all of the glow in that and then used a little bit of signar blue base with some metal highlight and kind of made that progression for the blue and it looks really 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 nice it's this really rich blue glow yeah it's um, beautiful that i haven't really seen in because it's, it's different than our, our Cric, or our, uh, Signar Glow. Um, and the Retribution Glow is totally different. But, sure. Uh, I definitely wanted to make sure that it looked different from the Signar Glow. Because the Signar glow, glow still uses arcane blue in it. Uh, so it's got a, a little bit of green still. And I was really happy with how blue the glow came out for the, the Marcher stuff.
0: No, so. it's, it's it's gorgeous. And you I, I noticed you kind of did a similar... Um, thing with uh, the Martial World is with the Iron Star Alliance and that, you know, you've got the glue blow, um, the blue glow. Blue glow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've got the blue glow on the um, on the armor in place, but then you've also got the, the sort of flatter blue on some cloth elements and uh, some stripes. And I think that's, that's pretty cool looking.
1: Yeah. So that's a, a kind of a cool ultramarine blue that we've got coming out. It's called Caspian Blue. Um, and that's, Another one of the really great colors that we've got. It's 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 got a weird, um, almost chalky finish to it, which is really neat. Um, uh, just because it looks so different than a lot of the other paints that we have.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, and so it was a it was kind of a perfect contrast to go against that. Uh, kind of kind of with the stripes, right, for the the accent color. Um, and it's different enough blue from the glow because it's slightly less saturated. Um. But yeah, that's that. I I was really happy. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna try this blue for the accent, and we're gonna see how it goes. And it was just ended up being perfect. And I was just like, okay, right, cool. I don't have to fix it. It's no, big, it looks great. Here's
0: a here's a question. Uh, so you know, you you've got those those really nice um sharp uh stripes on the Dusk Wolf Studio model. Did you yep. use um masking tape to get those, or anything, or is that just pure freehand?
1: Uh, it's just freehand.
0: It looks great. It's better than I can do.
1: <laughs> Thanks. It's uh just steady hand and uh, I generally have a pretty good eye for uh keeping lines the same thickness. Um like that's usually the most difficult part when you right when you're doing uh lines on models and that's usually why you have to like mask it off to make sure you get the right proportions and thickness on the lines. Yeah. Um but I, I like painting those on models in my personal time, so I have a lot of practice doing it. Um and like I, I painted up a Crucible Art Guard Army um, with a lot of those on it, so I had a lot of practice when it came to doing that on the marcher models. Um, so, yeah, it's it's pretty easy to do with ma- without masking. In fact, in my personal opinion, it's more difficult to get masking tape to sit exactly where you want it to on such a small model than it is to just paint it and then correct it once it, if it's a little off, which is why I tend to paint it that way.
0: No, fair enough, I guess. So, and I, I know we haven't really seen any uh, actual models for the uh, the Eternum Continuum yet. But are you are you starting to work on painting those, or uh, where are you at with that? If you can talk about yeah, it.
1: Yeah, that's 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 a uh, I can't talk about it too much. Um, but you guys should be seeing those pretty soon. Um, something I'm working on, trying to get out uh, as soon as possible.
0: That's cool. Uh, you having fun painting those? I know you said you were pretty excited about them before.
1: Yeah. No, I'm really excited. I've got some some really good plans for. For all the colors, because I we have shown color concepts for them, so you've got a, a general idea of what the the colors are going to be. I think should be some some color concept. I think we showed the Marauder. I think there's
0: been a lot I think they're kind of like blacks and reds, right?
1: Yeah, it's 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 a lot of like black and red with um, some like green green tones for the the metallics. So I'm gonna have a really good time kind of messing around with that. Yeah, no, I'm super excited for for finishing up these guys so I can show them off.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely stoked to see those. I I, I got to figure out my, my faction before too long. Um yeah. But you know, so I should, you were talking about some of the, the upcoming paints. Is there any other uh, upcoming paints that you're excited about?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So one of the things about kind of this this portion of the paint line that we're we're working on, kind of getting out to the public, is um, as a general whole, the art, the paints that we have now fit with within the setting of the Iron Kingdoms, right? So it's a lot of kind of desaturated um colors. There's not a lot of like really saturated pinks and oranges and stuff like sure, that. Sure. A lot of earth tones. Yeah, so a lot of really earthy tones. So a lot of the paints that we're gonna be releasing are more of the really saturated um like pinks and blues and and stuff like that. And we've already started with some of the oranges with Inferno Orange. Um <clears throat> But, yeah, we're, we're, we're starting to work through getting some of those other half of the, the paint line. So it kind of hits some of the holes um, that we have now, which is the fact that we don't have, like, a, a really nice, vibrant, uh, like, saturated pink. So we have a hot pink that's coming. Oh, great. Um, we've got that really bright blue that I was talking about, the voltaic blue. Um, we've got a really nice lavender color coming um, called viol- or, but it it is a lavender color to give you an idea of what it looks like. Sure. Um, and uh, can't remember we have we've got like a really nice neon green ink that's coming called Soul Stalker Ink. Oh, awesome! Um, we've got some some washes and some more inks coming as well. Um, but it's a little bit of a little bit of everything. Um, the base coat colors for uh, Planet Eaters. That kind of really nice reddish brown color. Oh yeah. Um kind of reddish tan, which is the kind of brighter color in the bellies. Um those are coming as well. Um yeah, you you'll see some similar, you'll probably see a lot of those colors in the more recent paint jobs because I've been using them a lot. Oh sure. Um but yeah, I'm really excited to get the the rest of those paints out to the public. Um and we've got we've talked about releasing 24 this year. So uh, we've definitely got quite a few coming.
0: Oh, super cool. Yeah, P3 is definitely a line that I, I, I try and keep up on. You know, I've got all the core stuff and have for a long time, so it's I'll definitely be uh, adding to that as they come out. I've, I've just been so impressed with so many of the new colors, like um, what was that that sort of denim blue you guys released maybe last year?
1: Grave Digger Denim?
0: Yeah, that one's great.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good color. It It's different enough from Trollblood Base uh, in the fact that it's like a little bit more desaturated, and it it really is the color of denim. Like, if you want to paint denim pants, like, that is the color you use. Trollblood Base is just a little off for denim. You could use it if you shade it a particular way. But Gravedigger grave denim is, like, exactly what you want. It's, it's perfect for that.
0: Yeah, uh, no, I, I've, I've, <clears throat> it, it definitely filled a real, a real need in my, uh, my paint collection for a variety of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm really pretty happy to have picked that one up.
1: Yeah, I use a lot of those Grimkin colors quite a bit, actually. Um, Mediocre is one of my favorite colors for painting yellow and oranges. Um, I use it all the time. That and Bloodstone are probably some of the colors I use the most often these days.
0: I, you know, I've probably, of all the P3s I've used over the years, Bloodstone is probably the one I've I've gone through the most pots of.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, aside from, like, Coal Black and Umbral Umber and, and Thamar Black and, you know, Mouth White Highlight, like, those are the colors that I use so often that they, they I just go through them super frequently. But, like, Bloodstone is the other one of those that I just, like, all the time i need to get replaced
0: bloodstone it's, it's just great right because like if you're doing any kind of warm brown or 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 such it's just a it's just a great base i, I even use yeah, it you know when, when i'm doing wow. my bases i'll use it to um as a, as a base coat under whatever texture paint or such i'm adding to the base and i find it just adds mm-hmm. a really great richness to it
1: yeah it's really good for earthy tones it's good for yellows it's good for browns it's good for oranges like it's amazing it's absolutely amazing
0: well, that's cool. Well, I don't want to keep you too long, Jordan, but I'm one last question. So, what what are you most excited about with Warcaster? Uh,
1: I'm really excited to get some a little bit more different kind of aesthetic into people's hands to get to paint. Um, not that I, I I absolutely love what we already have, right? But it's always nice to have something fresh and exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from a from a painting perspective, and I mean the game is super fun as well. It's like it's a very different game. It was something that I think a lot of people weren't necessarily expecting. I think a lot of people when they heard Warcaster, they were like, "Okay, it's going to be War Machine in space." Sure. It's really not that. It's it pulls a little bit of flavor from the the IK universe, but it's it really is its own independent game. Like the the way that it's played, the aesthetic, like everything is so different. And I think that's what I'm super excited to give to everybody. Is, is something fresh and exciting that's nothing like anything we've ever done.
0: <clears throat> all signs seem to point that you're going to succeed at that because uh, Warcaster is it's knocking down stretch goals and doing all kinds of cool stuff, so I can't wait to get my hands on it. Doing
1: well on. so far. I'm really excited.
0: Yeah. All right, Jordan, well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us, and uh, if you're listening, um, there'll be a link to Warcaster in the or in the uh, the post, and uh, you can check it out there. Pledge now. So it's going to be up for another two weeks or so. And Jordan, thanks again. Great to talk to you. Absolutely. you well. The Brushwilders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushwildersunion.com.